Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Look out, football. Here we come. Houston Oilers number one. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And I can't be more excited to be joined by a key member of a team that's super close to my heart. With me is a second round pick for the Houston Oilers. Let me see if I can show this little football card that I have of him from back in the day. He is a tight end, was a tight end for the unforgettable Love You Blue team from 76 until 1981. Welcome to the show, Mike Barber, and Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year to you. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be with you and all the great fans. All right, huge anniversary coming up. And the last time I saw you in person was in 2013 at Bum's Memorial at Lakewood Church, you oh. gave an incredible eulogy to Bum. It was so special how the night began. On the big screen, they showed the scene of the buses filled with you and your teammates coming into the Astrodome at one of yeah. the two iconic Love You Blue pep rallies. The crowd at the pep rally was singing the fight song, and so were the several thousand people at the memorial that night. I had goosebumps. I was choked up watching it. Mike, that first pap rally was 45 years ago, this Sunday, January the 7th. First of all, what was it like to hear that crowd at Bum's Memorial? You can't really put it in words. So so deserving, so worthy of it. Uh, one of a kind, as we all know. And, and to, you know, I always say this, he has a son and five daughters, but he had many, many, many kids. And I was so honored to be one of those kids. And the atmosphere, it'll never be matched, in my opinion. Man, let's talk about before the pep rallies and before we relive all that. I want to remind everybody that Houston's had an NFL team, either the Texans or the Oilers, for all but five years since the Super Bowls existed. Those 78 and 79 teams are the only ones who ever made the AFC title game. Mike, you guys beat the Dolphins and Patriots in that 78 playoff run, and you had monster games. If people yeah. forget, four catches, 112 yards in Miami, five catches, 82 yards, two touchdowns in New England. What do you remember about those games? Well, I, I remember with uh, New England, we were down quite a bit. When we got in the huddle, we had never grabbed each other's hand at all. But all of a sudden, we came out the second half, and we just grabbed each other at the hand, and it was like it was practice. And everybody pretty much said, let's do it. And the rest is history. We were a great family. You know, Bum would always start the season off by saying, today uh, we're a team, but by next week we're going to be a family. That resonated in all of us. And, of course, that fell over into the city. We we were one big, huge Happy, happy family. You know, you talk about the dome, and that was exciting. But there were thousands and thousands of people at the airport when we landed. And then from the airport to the dome, the highways were packed with parked cars on the side of the road honking their horn as we went by. There's not another team and probably ever will be able to say that. And that's just how special everything was. And it's so much because of our leader, Bum Phillips. Truly, truly, truly one of a kind. 
Yeah, you jumped ahead a little bit. I'm, I'm going to come back to the pep rally for sure. But that 78 oh. title game, you faced the Steelers in what was practically an ice rink. It was freezing rain, 14 turnovers between the two teams, which has got to be a playoff record. The Oilers had nine of the turnovers, which is tied for a playoff record. What was it like to play in that mess? Well, you know, you just had to make up your mind. I know the day before there uh, at the stadium, it was freezing cold. And stupid me, this is the way I did it. I went out there in a pair of shorts and a cutoff T-shirt <laughs> trying to tell myself it's not cold. And uh, But it was freezing, but it's just one of those things. You got to block it. And the hardest part about that game was coming out the second half. You know, you go in wet, and then you come back out wet, and now you're really cold. We looked over there across, and and the Steelers had, had fresh, new, dry uniforms on and just made it even more tough. But, you know, we, we played them better and tougher than anybody every season, and I don't think they pl ever played a team that they respected more than the Houston Oilers, and uh, what a great contest. Yeah, and let's set the scene for the pep rally because you guys lose it 34-5. to you get blowed out. It was ugly. You had a terrible day. Meanwhile, 6, yeah. 10 a.m. announces there's a, a pep rally that they're going to have that night when you guys come in, which I believe was around midnight. Did you guys get in around midnight that night? I, I think you're right. It was around midnight, maybe a little later than that. It was just overwhelming. The true love that our fans had for us. And, you know, we wasn't the, the most talented team overall. But we had each other's back like no other team in the league. And it's because, again, I can't say enough about our coach because he was more than a coach. He became a father to each and every one of us. And he cared about us off the field more than on the field. And so that generates electricity and excitement. And I can remember like as if it was yesterday I was with Bum in the vehicle when we went down that ramp into that stadium. I don't remember us saying anything for about at least five minutes because our jaws were hitting the ground with all. Can you believe this? What would have happened if we would have won the game? You know, it's it's like it's one of those things you really honestly can't put it in words. You you just can't. It was just it was amazing in every way. And everlasting, you know, I was a, uh, with all due respect, I was a, a, an ambassador for the Texans here for a, a good while. I would sign autographs before the games and stuff. And with all due respect, the line lined up for W Blue, which was me, was twice as long as the other. And it was overwhelming how people would bring stuff to me. They had announced that I was signing autographs. And the stuff that people had for years and years and years bringing so that I could sign it. And, and it, it just it just goes on and on and on. It's guys like you that's played a major part, quite frankly, of keeping it alive and going because it impacted you and other media, became their life, who they were. And so we owe so much uh, to guys like you that uh, has helped to make it never die. You brought up the Texans, and I'm just curious, like, is there anything that you could tell the Texans or Coach Ryans how to bring a little bit of that Love You Blue spirit 
to this team and this city? How, how can you do that besides just winning? Obviously, that's number one, and they're doing that. But what else can they do? I go to most of the home games, and I cheer them. What's disappointing to me is how empty the stadium is, to be honest with you. There's just, where's the support? I think we got a great new head coach. We have a dynamic quarterback. That's the real deal. Uh, me and Pastorini were together the other day, and we talked about I asked him, I said, Dante, I said, have you ever seen a quarterback that sees uh, east and west like this young quarterback from sideline to sideline? And he immediately responded, he's never seen what this like this quarterback here can do. So I'm hoping in, in, in time to come, winning is a cure, as they say, pretty much for everything. And I, I, I hope that the people will get back excited. Now, the answer to what can they do, I really don't know. And and uh, I just know be real, be, uh, you know, welcome the fans, make them feel important, and uh, which is more pivotal now because the tickets are so expensive. It's just, it's a different game. And even more so, it's important to make people feel Welcome. And I hope they get there. These fans here in Houston deserve a winner. They deserve consistency. I think uh, this will be the second true draft that we've had in a number of years. And this past draft really helped. And I'm excited about this upcoming draft because, you know, if you got a key man, the trigger man, our quarterback, then you can really turn things around much, much quicker. And so I, I'm hoping all that put together will create that excitement because when it's on, there's not a more enjoyable city in America. I, I went to Houston to the rounds, and we were very good. We played for the NSL championship. But I got to be truthful, their fans cannot touch what I experienced here in Houston with Love You Blue. It's not even a contest. And so I hope and pray that we get back to that. Yeah, it is hard to recreate what happened there. And it's hard to make another bum Phillips and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, Mike, I've had the chance the last few years to talk to a few of your teammates about the scene that night. And I want to share with you and I want everybody to listen to their description for a couple of minutes. And for those listening to the audio, you're about to hear Dan Pastorini, the quarterback, then Hall of Famer defensive lineman Elvin Bethay. And then safety, Vernon Perry. What people don't understand, sure, they saw the, the end result with all the people in the Astrodome. But when we walked through the airport at Intercontinental, there was an aisle wave about four feet where we just walked down the, the aisles. People were five and ten deep in the terminal. The buses were outside, and we drove outside. People were parked along JFK Boulevard going into the airport all the way down JFK Boulevard, all the way down the Beltway, all the way down 45. There wasn't a car going in either direction, with the exception of our motorcade of two buses and a couple limos and a police escort. And there had to be 300 to 400,000 people out there on the streets honking their horns and cheering us going down the freeways both years. In 79, the, the people in the Dome, I think, were about 30,000 more than, than original in 1978. Hey, that was one outstanding, unbelievable, I mean, there's no words that could express that, that feeling that we had coming back after losing to Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, coming back, not knowing that we were 
we were, they told us to leave our cars at the airport. They were going to take us on bus. We had no idea. And people that were at the airport, the, the, the lines were long, horns were blowing, lights were flashing. And when we got to the dome, man, I could not believe when they opened it and let us out. And here's, what, 60,000 people standing up at the rafters. And many people said, what's the greatest time you ever had or greatest thrill? I said the 1978 and 79 years, best year I ever had. I still remember that. That's the best thing that ever happened to me. I had the Hall of Fame and all that. But just to seeing the people there, you're talking about 60,000 plus people. And you're, you're a losing team. You lost lost the game. Just think what would have happened, happened if we'd won the game. We wouldn't have been able to land, land the plane in Houston. It, it, it was the greatest thrill of my life. And even today, I see people that were there and mother, grandmothers and of young guys, the people that I meet, and they said they want to know about the old Oilers and said he had to been there. <laughs> when we landed at the airport, man, there were people everywhere. We went to got on the bus and we going down the freeway. I mean, people parked on the side of the road, coming out from the airport, honking their horns. I mean, all the way to the stadium. Man, we pull up at the stadium, man. Cars and people everywhere. I mean, that place was jam-packed. And I can remember Earl Campbell getting off. I think he was riding on a motorcycle. And Bazil, I think he rode a horse or something. That's why I say, man, a kid leaving Canada, coming to a place like Houston, man, I was still in shock. Man, I couldn't believe that. This was the love that you got playing for a team in Houston. Uh, when I said I was going to be a, a movie star, that couldn't be the feeling that I had when we got back to Houston and saw all those folks in, in, in the dome, man. I'm telling you, man, it's hard to say how it felt, man, because it was one feeling that I would never, never forget. We lost the game, but we won, though. It's in your heart forever. Oh my goodness, Mike! Did that spark some memories? Oh, it, it does. As they're talking, uh, just I got chills. I honestly do. Those days, as you just heard from my teammates, there they're they're the most special days of my entire career. I'm an ordained minister today, and I, I go inside prisons all the time. I never go inside of a prison that I don't have inmates ask me about the Love You Blue days, what, what, is, what was it like? And the neat thing about what we just heard from my teammates, none of them are exaggerating anything. The numbers are the hundreds of thousands, like Dante said. I mean, you could just cough and you'd get a standing ovation and just cheering uh, beyond words. And so Love You Blue forever. Special, special, special time. Were you just as surprised even more fans showed up to the Dome after you lost to the same Steelers team two years in a row? Great question, and I'm glad you asked that. I, I can remember the plane was very quiet as we flew home. We were all just hurting in more ways than one. We did not want to let down the fans. And so what are we expecting? And then, of course, to our surprise, way over fire code with the numbers, way over. It just immediately, let's start off season tomorrow. Let's get after it and do our best not to let these fans down again. And of course, 
to prove the heart of the fan. They didn't do it one year. They did it the very next year. We came up short, and they put the same effort and time into it. They left us with no doubt at all how much they loved us, how much they cared for us. And I think they knew that we as players loved them just as much, and we did. Well, I want to ask you, and we got like an explosion behind you, and I think it was like the the, the feeling in your heart. We saw that on your uh, video. There was like some fireworks behind you. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, the 79 game had the famous Mike Renfro, which sparked the instant replay. When you watch instant replay in an NFL game today, are you frustrated because, man, I wish we had that then? Or is there some sense of, hey, we did this. We made this happen. We changed the game. Instant replay started because of that play, as, right. as we know. And I'm there in the end zone, and the referee that was supposed to make the call said to the other referee, I didn't see it, did you? And the other referee by the goalpost responded said, I didn't see it either. And the next thing I see is out of bounds. Here we are, still talking about it. I like instant replay, to be honest with you. You know, you have it in just about every other sport, and it definitely did change the game. Mike was in bounds, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's <laughs> funny because I I interviewed Lynn Swan once, and I was I was interviewing Lynn Swan with another Houston guy. We were working in Memphis, and we we asked Lynn Swan. We said. He was in bounds, wasn't he? And Lynn Swan's like, no, no. But he had a big, he had a big grin on his face. Yeah. I, I, th I think he knew, yeah. uh, he knew the yeah. truth. Um, what was it like to walk into a restaurant or a bar back in the height of Love You Blue? I've heard as soon as everybody knew you were an oiler, you never spent a dime on a meal or a drink. I am not exaggerating again. I never, ever, ever walked into a restaurant and paid for my own food. And it didn't matter if I was with somebody or I had six or eight people. It did not matter. It didn't matter what restaurant. And somebody picked up the bill. Again, how do you truly express that? You know, love overcomes everything. And uh, the love that we had for each other, you know, and these are people that you don't know. And yet they know of you and they appreciate you and honor you. And here they are. They pick up the tab. And uh, but we never got, we never went anywhere. I had I had not just me, but key, uh, none of the other players, Dante and others. We were getting free vehicles to drive and we didn't we didn't have to pay for a vehicle free gas. I mean, many times I'd walk up to get gas from a vehicle and somebody would recognize me here, here, big Mike, appreciate you here. Let me, let me get this for you. It just became hilarious in, in a, in a great way at how one city was so focused on their team. It was like, you know, I don't think there's a greater atmosphere than a college atmosphere. You know, the fans, the city, that they're just all far. You can't go through a, a window of downtown shopping and you can't see that banner of that college, you know, that they support. And that's the way Houston was. You couldn't go anywhere, anywhere without seeing something or hearing something about the Love You Blues. It was identity created by our coach, Bum Phillips. And we mentioned earlier, I hope the Texans can find that identity and make it happen for them as well. You mentioned Passerini. 
At one point during all of this, for a few weeks, he was dating Farrah Fawcett. Now, right. did you did you hear about that? And how crazy was because she was at that time, there was no bigger sex symbol in the United States and you know just everywhere than Farrah Fawcett. Oh yeah, we all knew about that. But you know, Dante is Dante. I call him Dante. Then past <laughs> I always say this without any hesitation, toughest man I ever played with. He was so tough and took so many injuries, didn't complain about it, sucked it up. But, you know, Dante was just very popular, handsome guy. So it really, it was it was no surprise to any of us to hear that he's dating Farrah Fawcett. What a beautiful lady. You told so many great stories about Coach Phillips at the Memorial. He would have turned 100 years old a couple of months ago. Is there a story or two, and I know this is hard, that sticks out to you the most when you think of him right now? Yeah, he turned 100 on September the 29th. And I got married on September the 29th just because it was his birthday. That's how important <laughs> it, it was for me. We became amazingly close in his last years. This was probably two weeks before he passed. I would stay up through the night and try to take care of him and let his sweet wife, Debbie, get some rest, who was an incredible nurse 24-7 for him. But anyhow, one, one night I looked at him. I said, Coach, you stink. I'm putting your butt in the shower. And I said, you sit right here, and I'm going to go put on shorts and T-shirt. Well, anyhow, I took all his clothes off of him, and I had a chair in his shower. And I picked him up, and so helped me. He never lost his humor. And he goes, Michael, he says, when's the last time a 94-year-old man mooned you? <laughs> yeah, a 90-year-old man mooned you is what he said. And I laughed so hard, I almost dropped him. He never, ever, ever lost his humor. I could tell one story after the other, the way he cared for everybody. But what a great, great coach, and I'm so thankful that he drafted me. I was the only draft choice, I think, in the first three rounds that year and uh, for the Oilers. And I was just so thankful and so honored the way he took care of me. He had no idea of the baggage that I brought to the Oilers from college. And he eliminated every bit of that just because who he is. And I'll tell you one quick story comes up. When Bum Phillips said open the gate, you had about two seconds to open it up. And in those days, we would pull up to the back of the airport on the bus for them to open up the gate for us to drive right up to the plane and get on. We pull up, and we wait maybe five minutes for the gate open up. And out of nowhere, he has a suitcase right underneath his legs. God is my witness. He unzips that suitcase. He's got chain cutters. <laughs> and he gets off and goes up there and cuts that chain off of that gate and throws it open, gets on the bus, says, let's go. <laughs> that That is how insane. And we always says, Coach, let us help you. And he goes, no, we can't play the game without you, but you can play it without me. I'm the one that's going to cut the chain if anybody gets in, gets in trouble. And funny thing, he carried it. He carried them chain cutters with him on, on every, every trip. Funny. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, we laughed our heads off, and we wanted to play for him so bad uh, to the best of our ability. You played against Robert Brazil in practice. I assume you got hit 
quite a few times by Robert Brazil in practice, but you had a front row seat for his career. What did it mean to finally see him get into Canton? I was there. I wouldn't have missed it for anything. It, it, it was majorly delayed. He should have been in there much, much earlier. But to go against him every day in practice, he couldn't help but get better. And then there were many, many practices where he and I would stay out and go one-on-one with each other. And uh, back in those days, I had pretty good quickness that he liked. And we would practice reach blocking and, you know, him defending it and whatever. But never saw anybody enjoy practice more than Robert Brazil. And he is true, true, true a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And and speaking of Hall of Famers, I'm sure everybody asked you about Earl Campbell, but I want to get to the good stuff. Do you have a PG-rated Carl Mock or Kenny Stabler story that you could share? <laughs> <laughs> there is an it would be impossible to create a PG with Carl Mock. <laughs> you, you, you can't do it. Another guy, one of a kind, yelling, screaming the whole game. Everybody, the huddle was never right. God, get Charles blankety, 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 you know, back in here and a go-getter, a fighter, gave it his best on every, every, every play. Wasn't the greatest center in the league, but uh, his heart was bigger than any center in the league. I promise you that. Boy, he was a major, major, major part in our success. What about Staler? Anything from him? The snake. So enjoyable to, uh, for, to catch his passes. He just, he knew when to zip it and he knew when to just float it in there. Thing I remember about him, he had just an amazing way of avoiding the rush. Even in the back of him, it's like he couldn't see it, obviously, but he could feel it. And he was so great moving in that pocket to get that pass completed. And obviously, it was a privilege and a, and a joy to, to be a receiver, a, a part of him there for a couple of years. I'm sure everybody's asked you about this, and I'm curious how you feel when you see the Titans wearing that Oilers jersey against the Texans. Uh, well, they can try, but it's just not the same, in all due respect. There's only one true love you blue, and that's here in Houston with our fans. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, how many of your love you blue teammates are you still in touch with regularly? There's probably a half a dozen. Uh, I'm honored. Uh, Dan Pastorini, myself, Andy Doris, we will go to the border from time to time and encourage the Border Patrol for the amazing job that they're doing there. But, uh, you know, I missed last year's reunion in uh, Tennessee. and uh, But as soon as we get together, it's just like we picked up where we left. There's never a void there. and. Uh, like I said, just a great, great, great. I wouldn't trade places with nobody. I'd play for the exact same teammates, exact coach, if I could do it all again. What are you up to these days? Well, I'm an ordained minister, and that shocks the world out of a lot of people. And <laughs> I'd have never thought that would have happened to me. But in, in my days now, I live inside prisons. That's all I do is speak inside prisons. Uh, I motivate inmates to change your thinking. You can change your heart. And we have huge success. I'm all over the country. And I've been doing it now full time for 38 years, 44 years altogether. That sounds funny, but I live inside prisons. That's really much the only, t- only time that I uh, speak is in prison. 
and every prison I go into, like I said, you know, sports is the big thing, especially football. I never get asked about my four years in the rounds. And, and quite frankly, statistically, I had my best years with the rounds. But nobody, no inmate ever asked about my days with the rounds. It's always about the love you blue. I always get asked about uh, Dan Pastorini and, uh, you know, of course, the great Earl Campbell. You know, seven of my 10 years, I blocked for the number one running back in the league, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson. And uh, how fun it was to uh, be a tight end when you got uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson on one side and Kenny Burrells on the other side of you with uh, Tim Wilson and Earl Campbell in the backfield. Uh, That was a whole lot of fun. Did Earl leave you with any bruises? You know, was he running up your back sometimes? You, you know, uh, uh, Alzado. Uh, yeah, with Lyle Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, it's fourth and one. And I got to block him. And, of course, he didn't budge. Pretty much stood me straight up. And Earl missed the hole. Hits me square in the back with his helmet. And the big, tough Alzado, he, you know, he felt it, heard my grunt, and he pulled me forward, which gave up having given us a first down just to protect me. And for whatever reason, I will never, never, never forget that. So, yeah, I've got my bruises. I've had 20 surgeries now since I've retired, thanks to the good old game of football. And uh, but I'd do it all over again. Let me make that crystal clear. And I'd do it for the amount of money that we made instead of what they make today, because I love the game. I wasn't real good, but I wasn't real bad. You know, Bum would say, you don't dance great, but you'll dance every dance. <laughs> and your teammate, Elvin Bethay, tries to help the, the older players, too. Right. He's very involved. He's very involved. He's been a pillar for many, many, many years. I don't really see him or talk to him very much, but when I do, it's always special. And a gentleman and a scholar in every way. Well, I was seven years old when Earl Campbell arrived in Houston and Love You Blues started. And I want to show you this real quick. My parents were on a trip to L.A., and they ran into Brent Musburger right after Earl Campbell was drafted. They asked for an autograph. Here it is. Here's the autograph. And and I don't know if you can read it, but it says to Robbie, I think Earl Campbell will do great in Houston. And Uh best wishes, Brent Musburger. And man, he he was right. Uh, What a, what a, what a deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, I want to show you something. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. All right. I'm going to grab it. Can you see this? Yes. Uh, Bum Phillips is his signature. This is his last cowboy hat he ever wore. Oh, wow. And just days before I was with him, I asked him, I said, uh, Coach, I need your signature on your cowboy hat. And it was on the wall, and he, he said, go get it, and I did it. And he put it on his head for a few minutes, and he took it off, and he signed it. And uh, I treasure this beyond, beyond words. Uh, I can I can get teary eyed about it, quite frankly. And uh, again, love you, Blues, Bum Phillips, all the awesome teammates, our great quarterback we had with Dan Pastorini, and the amazing, amazing, amazing fans. I'm a very blessed man today, and so much of that is because of my years that I spent here in Houston as a uh, Houston Oiler. 
when you guys played, I wore an Oilers ring on my finger with a lucky rabbit's foot attached to it with a chain every time you guys set foot on the field. It's a big reason why you guys are a big reason why I fell in love with sports. And I have spent over 30 years in sports journalism as NFL films. Steve Sable once said about love you blue for those who were there. They'll never forget for those who weren't. Well, they'll never quite understand. And, you know, Mike, I just want to thank you for sharing your memories with us and thank you for one of the best times of my life. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. God bless. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Because we're the